uh, very just oh. got the recording message. <laughs> All right, we'll start this from the top. So uh, thank you everyone for joining us uh, at another session of MSP Initiative Live. I'm very excited to be joined here by Danny O'Hanley and Siegel Panther of Delmar Insights. Um, if this is your first time here, I'm going to go through a couple uh, little things. I do have a fun announcement to kick everything off, um, and then we'll kind of get into the nitty gritty of Delmar and some of the problems that they're solving the MSP channel every day. So I'm your host today. Uh, I know you're uh, probably used to George Bardisi. Uh, he is, I believe, in the air right now, potentially on the ground in uh, Denver, visiting our friends out at PAX 8. But uh, we are, uh, we're we're going to keep things rolling, keep the information going, and uh, hopefully talk to some of our MSP friends on here. So again, I'm Alex Standard, VP of Business Development at BVOIP. Uh, been with uh, BVOIP MSP Initiative since the beginning. So excited to be back on here. It's been a little bit. and. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a great day to do it. So Danny, I know you're joining us uh, and Siegel as well in Orlando in November next month. So we're going there for a pretty good party. Uh, and I know you made last year, um, we had the American Rejects last year. I know there's been a huge buildup on what the band will be. And actually it's going live as we speak right now, which is pretty fun. So um, Excited to say we're going to have Ezra Ray Hart join us. So that's going to be Sugar Ray, Better Than Ezra, and Tonic formed together to make a 90s super band. So definitely a little bit of the best of everything. Uh, that 90s era, we're going to get um, all of their music, which I believe is 18 top hits, uh, almost 6 million monthly viewers on Spotify. I mean, it's, it's a really good mashup. And then on top of that, we have all the other hits that they play. Um, so across the board, I think we'll hit pretty much all music styles and uh, should be a pretty epic night. I'll tell you what, if it's anything like the last one, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. There's no doubt. Yeah, I had to wear my old red hat because obviously, uh, excited to get back there. I think you and I grabbed this at the end of the concert uh, last year during uh, cleanup as the hurricane was fully hitting. Uh, which, <laughs> knock on wood, hopefully none of that this year. <laughs> Yes, uh, hopefully lightning, lightning will not strike twice. I will say though that they were they were super accommodating, uh, aside from just the venue being a great place to host a concert. Uh, it was a blast. Couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, huge shout out to that team there. They were awesome to work with and uh, just provided a great venue overall. I mean, All American Rejects loved it. They said they had a really good time, said the crowd was good. So we're gonna need everyone to bring that energy again, have, have a lot of fun. Um, we might be tweaking some of the fun other stuff that we're doing. So you know, last year we had like an ice beer wall. Um, we're talking about ice luge instead. Um, always fun. Uh, karaoke is coming back. Uh, that was a huge hit. Uh, I believe the games will be back. So quite a few, um, you know, the fun things from the past and then maybe some of the new ones. I unfortunately cannot bring the pirate ship that we just had in, uh, in Miami. Uh, hard one to transport. But uh, we will find a good way to bring that fun. So actually, you just uh, were there, right? Yeah, the pirate ship was pretty awesome with uh, eye patches and all. It was uh, it was a good time. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, how was the show? Uh, the, the show writ large was. I, I thought it was actually really good. I, I mean, obviously, there was a lot of concerns going into it from folks who had been years past about different locations and how we're going to fit everybody, but. Uh, more or less, it was everything was within a reasonable walking distance. Um, the content, I think, was spaced out well. So for the most part, um, at least from my perspective, it, it went off without a hitch. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it was probably uh, you know fun for you to get into that Autodesk community. And 
because um, obviously you had exposure to the data community because your background, which we'll get to in just a second here. And you know, you had a couple of years now of uh, being around that ConnectWise community. So it was probably fun for you to embrace kind of a whole other community there for you. And um, I believe you've been rolling out. Do you have the integration on that side as well now or? Yes, we do. Awesome. So there you and, go. Uh, I, oh, good. I was going to say, and uh, currently in the midst of uh, launching our, our, our Halo. Very nice. Yeah, definitely one we're hearing a lot of. Um, so, I mean, I think that's a good segue. Danny, I've, I've been lucky enough to know you for, for a number of years now, uh, but why don't you give us a little bit of your background, kind of where you came from? How about where's, where's the company base? Uh, where'd you come from? What's your pathway into the MSB community? And, uh, and then we'll get into a little bit of uh, Delmar, what you guys are doing. Yeah, I mean, so so the, the company is based in my, in my hometown in Richmond, Virginia. That's, that's, that's where I am right now. Um, but but the uh, story that led me into the, the MSP community and, and uh, to launching Delmar was uh, was probably a much more global one. Um, fair, fair to say, you know, I, I well <laughs> had a, had an interesting career start. I was a 2008 graduate, so I had the opportunity to graduate into uh, a global recession, which was always fun. <laughs> so always a good time, right? Um, I had I had actually just come off of a you know a, a summer abroad. I'd spent some time in China when all this was happening, and and sort of arrived back to uh, the world that we all knew it in uh, two thousand eight post Lehman. Um, so you know, it took some time to kind of figure out what was next. Um, had had some fun along the way, but at, at the same time, kind of got started with a small company in the area. You know, at the, at the time, you know, that, that's one of the nice things about small companies is that oftentimes they can be recession proof, right? They, they, they tend to be operating at their own pace, right? With their own goals. And they're not necessarily um, as heavily impacted at the macro level. So anyways, started with the, with the, you know, a distributor. And I mean, not, they, they were in, you know, residential and commercial security. Honestly, I, I look at it now and I feel like it, it was not too dissimilar to many of the MSPs that we talked to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they started with, for the, for this company it was a sort of a focus in sales and marketing, and then as as they grew, um, they needed to do more, right? And and having gotten into the ground level, they they asked me to start their customer service department. We built that up, um, and as I started to move into management in a small company, the wall that I ran into was not really understanding how to make better decisions. Not not that I couldn't make you know gut decisions, like we all, we all have our our own gut feelings about what we think the right thing is to do, but I wanted to make better predictable um, decisions using the information that was available to me. And, and even when I was able to cobble together data, sometimes I just didn't know what to do with it. So, you know, with that, I, I, I went and uh, decided to go back to school, uh, spent two years getting my MBA, uh, really focused on entrepreneurial finance, yep. spent some time in Silicon Valley while, while I was there, and then, you know, came back postgraduate, spent, or living in the, you know, New York City area. And, you know, all the while looking at looking at startups in the tech space and the small company who was at the time fastest growing in Connecticut reached out, saw my profile and said, hey, like, you know, we're moving fast. We've got roles in a lot of different areas. Why don't you come interview with us? Lo and behold, that that was Datto, right? A company that was not really familiar to me or, or most in the space at the time. Um, but, you know, I, I walked into, you know, fun, fun loving young CEO, like, you know, same age as myself. Um, you know, energy drinks flowing from the, the walls, so to speak. And, uh, you know, just a, just a can-do attitude throughout the building. So uh, 
yeah, I was quick to jump on board and not too dissimilar to uh, the company that I had worked at before I, I went back to school. It was a situation where you you could write your own ticket if you had the, the will and, and the willingness to try something that no one else in the building had tried before, then you know you could chart your own path. And they they certainly gave me the opportunity to do that. For me, again, it was data. I was like, okay, now I, I know what to do with this data, right? And and here, you know, everyone else is moving too fast to to start, you know, thinking about it in that way. So so why don't I cobble together some information? It started by literally hand moving invoice uh and data into excel and, and just trying to do pivots um quickly learn from the engineers they're like you know there's there's this thing called sql and you know if you spend some time with it you might be able to get this data a little bit faster that led to larger business intelligence tools and you know after some time um both in the post integration world or so uh worked on the merger team for for the uh, auto tasks data merger, spent a bunch of time abroad doing the exact same thing, right? Kind of getting our systems to an enterprise level and developing out intelligence across the board for um, for the business. So, you know, let's fast forward to where the next step took place, which was 2020, another, another global event, right? Uh, pandemic took us all, I think, into a, to a whole new world. Um, and for- <laughs> For me, someone who had kind of, you know, gotten a little bit burnt out from all the international travel, I, I think at one point I had uh, spent, you know, eight out of 12 weeks abroad, um, you know, just just working in that, that sort of post-acquisition constant world. Um, took the opportunity to step back and said, you know what, let, let, let's do what I always wanted to do, which is take this leap of my own, right? Use all the information that I learned from, from the industries that I've been in and start something. Uh, and for me, I, I had fallen in love with the MSP community. I think all of us that start working in this community, like it's a close-knit community, it's mm -hmm. fun-loving, right? At the end of the day, like we all have jobs to do, but but we enjoy making the most of life as well. So I, I kind of, you know, sat down at my kitchen table, not too far from where I'm sitting right now and said, you know, how, how can I help this community? How can I use what, I, what I've learned and and help the community? And I think where I, where I landed was, how do I bring enterprise level business intelligence to small and medium sized business? And that's, that's really where we kick things off. Love it. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously uh, you and I were a little bit of kindred spirits there. Cause I think we met when I came in and I had had that sort of data support behind me and kind of came over to the data side. And uh, you were that kindred spirit where I was like, Hey, I really wish I could see X or Y and how we're doing all these shows. And, and the massive amount of things that data was doing at one singular time. Um, so it was really cool to see you adapt that. And, and I love the idea of almost taking that data approach, right? Datto took enterprise grade BDR um, and brought it back down to the MSP, small, medium businesses. Um, you know, BVOIP, that was kind of our goal, right? We take enterprise grade phone systems that you could use for a call center, things like that, and bring that down to that uh, MSP, uh, SMB space. So I love all that. Um, and I think that some of the best tools in the industry have started off there, right? I mean, people saw something that was really good in the enterprise. People paid an insane amount of money for it and said, I wonder if there's a way to do that for a more cost-effective way the MSPs could do, because I think they really benefit off of that and definitely seen some really cool tools come out of that. So I love all that. Uh, I want to give Siegel some time, though, tell us her background. Uh, so, Siegel, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Awesome. So, 
where I'm from specifically is actually South Africa, uh, but have now found myself all the way in the UK. Um, but going back to the start, sort of, um, you know, grew up in a family that are full of entrepreneurs, to be honest. So, you know, grew up with a mom who owned a marketing and events company, um, a dad who owned a carpentry company. And it's sort of, you know, you sit there and you go, what am I going to do? You know, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Do I want to do marketing? Definitely don't want to do carpentry. Um, you know, had a look at what I was good at in school and went, okay, well, I'm good at accounting, good at maths, enjoyed business, have to become a CA. All right. So went to uni, did a business science degree, majored in finance and accounting, decided to do a postgraduate, do the same sort of majored in finance and accounting. Um, and then went on to, you know, qualify as a chartered accountant, decided that, um, you know, the next step would be to be work with an industry. So joined the big four, uh, did a few years at EY, where my life was audit, um, you know, eat, sleep, live, audit. Those memes that you see about audit, those are true. That's all you did. It's all you do. Um, and to be honest, it's where I sort of, you know, grew a passion for, you know, financial statements. And, you know, the nerd in me comes out and I go, oh, I love it. You know, key performance indicators, love them. Financial statements, love them. Um, you know, decided to move to the UK with another um, audit firm, so moved over with PwC, um, and I think it was when I was here where you know you really then start you know questioning what what your future holds, you know what is the next step, where do I want to end up in ten years from now, um, you know, and as great as that experience was, you know, at the end of the day, you're working for a big four, you're working for a big company, you know, where where do you move? How do you make a name for yourself? And how do you you know? help others so um you know it's you view, you view a set of financial statements you know they become the same <laughs> after a while you know you're in the same industry you're reviewing the same set of financials and I just felt like you know there was more there was more that I could do I have you know skills that I could offer and um I was fortunate enough to be in a situation where I have you know mutual friends and connections who knew Danny um, and Danny was out visiting, um, you know, connections and friends from Datto days. And, you know, they were like, well, I think you should meet this guy, Danny. I was like, cool, I'll meet this guy, Danny. <laughs> Met Danny, had a cup of coffee, um, you know, on the porch and started talking. And, you know, we sort of started to, um, you know, connect. And and he was telling me all about, you know, his his business and this goal and Danny's so passionate when he talks about you know Delmar and what it is that you know he does and he was telling me all about you know what where he's got to now and like all of these future goals and you know everything that he still wanted to do all of the connections he'd made all of his partners his clients everything and I said then I was like I'm intrigued this man is passionate I want to know more you know started chatting and sort of just realized that you know, there was this startup opportunity, you know, Delmar had, um, you know, a position available where they needed, you know, someone with my skill set. And um, likewise, you know, they had opportunities there, the startup opportunity that would allow me to sort of, you know, do more. So I didn't have to come in and just, you know, be there to provide insight on, you know, financial statements and valuations. But, you know, Danny was like, ah, you've done some, you know, a little bit of marketing, you grew up with marketing, you want to have a shot at doing some marketing. Okay, cool. Why not? You know, then you sit there and Danny's like, okay, what else would you, what else are you passionate in? What else do you want to do? And, um, 
I just, I really, I really like that. And I sort of, you know, ended up in a space now where, um, you know, the world is my oyster, to be honest. And I feel like, you know, I'm fortunate to be working for a company and for, you know, a CEO who is providing me with those opportunities. And um, yeah, it's been fun. So all new to it, um, but good. So far, so good. I love it. And uh, and good luck. That's, you know, Danny kind of touched on earlier. Once you get into this MSP community, you can't leave. A lot of people try, they always come back. <laughs> it's something about it. it just sucks you right back in. So enjoy your stay. It's going to be a long one. Um, no, it's a, it is a great community. It really is. Um, you know, I've, I've worked in the enterprise as well. I've worked uh, in the small businesses and just something about this community and the way that it operates and the way that people rise up and help each other, um, whether it's on the personal level, the business level, people just genuinely want to see each other succeed. And I've seen it more and more as, as the company, as the companies have grown and the maturity's grown and the industry's maturity's grown is there's less of that combative, you know, you're my competitor kind of mentality and more of, Hey, there's more than enough for all of us. How do we all rise up? Um, and, uh, you know, I think data is going to be a huge piece of that. So, um, you know, Danny, you touched a little bit about kind of, okay, this was the, the key trigger and, and obviously Siegel, your background plays a ton into this. Do you guys want to give us a little bit about what's, you know, what are you guys doing with MSPs today? What are the services you're offering? And then uh, let's get into a little bit of like tips and tricks, right? I mean, obviously you guys have a plethora of info and, and background that we could give these guys. So um, I'm going to pass it over to you. But before I do that, I just want to say, if you're watching Facebook on in the Zoom, whatever, drop some chats. Um, you have some questions you want to ask these guys. This is a really great opportunity, right? These are not people you always have access to every day. So having that is always awesome, but I will uh, probably push you to give your contact info at the end so they can't bother you after this, but uh, at least right now they get you live. So let's go uh, jump into Delmar. Tell us about what you guys do, services, and uh, what are the problems you're solving every day? Yeah, I mean, so look, at the, at the end of the day, I, I approached Delmar the, the same way that I you know approached sort of the past history that we talked about, like there's a problem, we just want to solve it, right? I mean, we hung our, our original shingle as a, as a consulting organization. And although, you know, our, our, our main area of focus is, is around the uh, Delmar Business Intelligence Platform and analytics, um, we do still offer the consulting services and, and the, the, the two sort of feed off of each other, right? Especially for some of our clients that, that are newer to, newer to data, right? They want to better understand that information. So like, for example, as we continue to develop the product, we're helping other folks solve problems that maybe others haven't worked with them on before. Um, something you mentioned that you and I did together um, was sort of this idea, you know, I had come from the, the sales background and that's really where I had started from a metrics perspective. You know, it's very much one plus one equals two, right? That, that, that is a core analytical principle when it comes to, to uh, starting and understanding how to, how to grow your sales team. Um, that said, as you go deeper, right, some of the some of the minutiae, some of the things that maybe are more difficult to to understand are like, what's the impact of going to DattoCon, right? What's what's the impact of doing a webinar, right? How, how, do, how does that lead to what ultimately becomes your relationship with your customers? Um, and that same sort of funnel metric work that we we were doing together, for example, we're also starting to work to work with with MSPs on as well, right? Whether it's you know understanding your your marketing spend in relation to say what others in the industry are are, are spending, right? From a from a revenue perspective or, or, or what have you, 
um, to, you know, what is, what does your sales team look like? I mean, even if you're, you're a small, you know, five to 10 person MSP, right. And you want to really start rationing your sales effort. And of course you're the, the, the main, the main guy when it comes to referrals or whatever the case may be, right. How do you then take that next step? Right. And then how do you even more, how do you track and understand where, what success looks like? Absolutely. Are you doing much work with MSPs around MDF? You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. We have not to date, but it, it's something that had that was was brought up about a week ago, and so <laughs> <laughs> that 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 conversation conversation is beginning for sure. Awesome, yeah. I mean, uh, timely, I guess for me as well. We just had our pack meeting, and it's always something that comes up. Um, you know, I think MSPs don't always realize the access to MDF they have across the board with all the vendors. Um, like I know somehow we always have leftover every year in the budget. Um, which feels crazy. Uh, but then we then you have other MSPs that every year are like, yep, we're going to do the same exact thing again. We already got our ROI off of it. Let's do it again. Um, but I think there's a little bit of that nervousness of, well, if I use it before I'm ready or before I know how to do something that's going to get me revenue, then I will never be able to get it again. So I feel like understanding it and helping them with some of the trends that you guys have seen of, hey, if you buy your customers a movie, you, know, you, you rent out a movie theater and you do a presentation beforehand, we've seen an ROI of this. Uh, and it's a lot better than just buying them drinks because then everybody just drinks and doesn't really talk enough. Um, you know, if you can kind of start to break down some of that data for people, I feel like it, it would help the vendors, it would help the MSPs, so kind of, uh, you know, rise all ships, um, you know, kind I mean, of. I mean, look, at least from, from our own past, right? I mean, oftentimes vendors look at MDF as, as a, sort of a give back to the community in many ways, mm -hmm. right? Um, but, but to your point, right, if you, if you dial it in, you know, everyone can certainly benefit from it. And from, from an MSP's perspective, I mean, again, some of the more conservative MSPs that we talk to are, they're, they're concerned about the investment, how, you know, how much is too much, or is it going to be lost money? Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and NBF, I think is a really great way for folks to, to try something new, right. Um, not only will you get access to, you know, professionals within within the industry right because you're going to be working with vendors to, to get that money who are going to ha have you know ideas and they're going to be able to tell you hey what what has worked in the past but um but yeah even more so again like it gives you an opportunity to bolster your own budget when you're when you're ready to take a moonshot here or there yeah absolutely I, I think even just that process of how do i go about asking my vendors right i think that you guys would probably as you start to work into that have enough data to really help MSPs kind of jumpstart that conversation. Um, and if you can arm them with some data on what's going to be most effective or more effective, um, you know, it can definitely be a pretty cool area to hit. Yeah. And I mean, look, something else I'll mention is that uh, we, we, we are MSP industry, although again, our, you know, our, our core efforts are designed to serve the MSPs themselves. Uh, if there are vendors out there that, that are looking for help, understanding, you know, where their MDF dollars are going and, and how it's working. Um, that is something that we, uh, we offer as a service as well. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's important. I mean, KPIs and understanding the different pieces of your business and, and understanding those levers is just, I think that's really where people kind of cross over to that next level, right? It's you stop kind of the rat race mentality of, well, we just have to do a little bit more and then I could buy, you know, one more thing over here and we can just keep rolling where you can start to say, all right, MDF, for instance, right? If, if I'm if I do a marketing campaign, it's going to cost me X. If I send out this postcard, it's going to cost me X. But I know I can expect a, on average, thirty percent return on this. Okay, great. So 
I know what the spend is, you know, you can start to pull those levers and really affect the change. And that's where you can start to forecast. You can start to get your growth in line and really just see a lot more of that. That's the maturity in the next level that they're going to look for. If you're looking at, Hey, I want to get bought. I want P investment, right? I want to be that next platform MSP. Like all of those stages are going to need to be in place. Um, very much where are you seeing that a lot out of your MSPs, I guess? Are you seeing a lot of the, Hey, we want to, be bought down the road, want to head towards an event, like help me get prepared, help me understand my data better so I can be. Yeah, I mean, so so Siegel sort of hinted on this a little bit when she was talking about her background and maybe some of the other projects that she's gotten to help with. But, uh, you know, our, our core focus of, of the product from an analytics perspective is, is helping MSPs understand their value, right? Thinking of it from a financials perspective, uh, what KPIs are important. And then really, I mean, before we even start talking about valuations or, or other services in the M&A space, I think the, the, the first topic of conversation with any business owner, regardless of the industry is, you know, what, what goals do you have in mind, right? What are you trying to achieve? Um, and then that ultimately leads us down the path of how, how do we then read these numbers, right? Or how do we then make recommendations? Because to, to your point, right? If they're, if they're looking to sell, right, then a track record uh, of success and investment in the business is, is important. And, you know, whether or not they're receiving MDF for that, I think is somewhat irrelevant, right? It's, it's an avenue. Um, at the end of the day, are they reinvesting in the business, right? And, and, and then what impact is that money having? Um, that in and of itself can be, you know, a significant, uh, you know, factor in their, in their multiplier. Absolutely. No, I think uh, that's definitely a huge piece of Reddit. Um, am I ready? You know, I think a lot of people just kind of say, hey, I'm making X a year, roughly. <laughs> um, do you think that uh, this is too much to ask? And there's just so much more that plays into right? EBITDA and um, how much that's coming from recurring versus break fix and just kind of breaking all that down and understanding really what that number means, what the market average is, because we've all seen that fluctuate quite a bit over the last couple of years. Um, so, I mean, I think all those are coming into play and, you know, I think there's not a slow down at all, which is surprising. You'd think that with, you know, everyone staying at home and, and uh, money slowing for a minute and then speed back up and now who knows. Um, but, you know, you'd think that the market would cool a little bit. If anything, we, we're seeing the same amount, if not more M&A than we ever have in, in uh, MSPs. I mean, I think, uh, Joe um, over at Channel ED used to track it. I think it was somewhere in the range of like 100 plus a year. Um, it was almost an MSP a day at one point was being purchased. It was pretty wild to see. And you're seeing a lot of that with P investment into the space. You're seeing some of it as just roll-ups of, you know, smaller people. You're seeing some of it with legacy, right? People who are just kind of had a good life. I, I made a good living off this. I'm ready to kick it by the pool with the wife and, and spend a little bit of time off. Um, Look, I mean, I, if I'm being honest, I've seen numbers, you know, even higher than that, depending on your definition of the MSP and wow. how broad that, that we're talking about. I mean, for, from our perspective, you know, we, we tend to work with either larger MSPs that are, that are looking to acquire or with smaller MSPs that are looking to get to a point where they are, in fact, attractive. Right. And, and for many, that's that's a road. Right. That, that, that's a road to travel upon and it can take several years to get there. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe they don't, in which case there's another opportunity that's available to them either, you know, internally selling to their, uh, you know, selling to their staff, 
or maybe there's another opportunity in their market where they combine forces with someone else who's ready to carry it to the next stage. And like, like I said, it really, it comes back to their goals, right? Um, but some of the things that I think you're mentioning, Alec, are really more on the realm uh, of what, what is becoming defined as like the mainstream, mainstream industry transactions, right? Um, and, and similar to that, that comment that I made earlier about you know, recession proof. I feel like our, our industry in, in many ways is still maturing in terms of MA activity, right? As opposed to say what you might find on Wall Street. In which case, like, for example, the deals are becoming more sophisticated, right? There's a heavier emphasis on, on EBITDA, right? The EBITDA uh, thresholds are getting higher, right? It doesn't mean that people aren't still buying, right? And more importantly, if you, if you look around, the transactions aren't stopping because the MSPs all over the world are growing at a better rate, right? They're implementing new services in the security space that's allowing to, them to go deeper with their existing clients, right? So, I mean, generally speaking, on a macro level, it's a very good industry to be in right now. Couldn't agree more. Danny, sort of, you know, just adding to that, I think that, you know, although MAs are, you know, like they do form a big part of what we do, you know, there are also... MSPs and companies out there who, you know, aren't interested in that. And they are, you know, people who just want to have their, you know, business that they want to run, you know, as long as they can hand it over to the next generation. And, you know, there's, there's a big part of what we do, which just helps you gain an understanding on your financial information. You know, I think that people often overlook it and you think that, okay, as long as I've got a profit there, I'm doing what I need to be doing, you know, but it's, there's so much more to it. You know, I look at, and I think, you know, I look at my mom and I promise you every May, I know that my mom's company's financials, they've been around for 20 years are going to come out and I'm going to get a call and she's going to say to me, please look at these financials and tell me what you think we should do. Like, how can we improve? How can we do this? And, you know, I think so many people have those questions, you know, it's, it's easy to look at, you know, your bank balance at the end of the year and see, okay, great, we've, we've had, you know, money come in and we've, we've made a profit, but how can you, you know, like budget better? How, how do you, you know, sort of take where you are now, look at it in its, you know, life cycle where the business is and go, okay, cool. Are we in a growth stage? Are we actually growing in line with our competitors? Should we, you know, possibly be doing a bit more? Should we maybe increase our marketing budget because our competitors are seeing a growth of X amount and we're a bit below? Or, you know, we look at it and go, okay, you're at your, you know, full sort of like expected life cycle now you know you're at that stage where you're sort of stagnating now so you know what is the next step do you want to do that into you know sort of perpetuality or do you want to sort of look at how what can we do can we bring in another service offering can we you know adjust what we're currently offering and these are the sort of questions that I think you know if you don't necessarily have you know enough financial insight you're not asking those questions and you're not understanding where to look you know so sometimes you need to just be able to sort of you know sit down and say to someone you know look this is where I'm at now this is you know what we have I feel like we're doing a good job am I right am I wrong what can I do to better 
And, you know, I think that is that is a big part of what we try to do, you know, is try and help you gain a better understanding on where you're at, what improvements can be made, how to budget better for the next year or for the future, you know, how to identify risks and then how to manage those risks. You know, if you have liabilities or current liabilities that are, you know, becoming increasingly larger, you know, identifying that that is a risk. You know, how can we mitigate that risk? What can we do? And then also, you know, looking at how we can, you know, sort of bring performance benchmarks into place. So to make it easy for you to understand your financials, you know, to better sort of achieve what your end goal is, whether that is an M&A or not, you just want to know that, you know, you are getting the most out of your company and that you are putting in, you know, the best that you can. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. I mean, so, so let's say I'm an MSP and I feel like I'm hitting that plateau, right? I'm starting, things are starting to slow down a little bit. And you look at it and you say, hey, maybe you expand into a new service. Are you guys looking at it and saying, hey, Alec, you know, you're you really are doing great over here in this space, but you haven't really tapped into the cybersecurity too much. And here's the growth percentage we're seeing out of other MSPs that have added identity access management and, you know, zero trust. And, and you know, some of those, those, uh, those pieces, are you helping guide me into what other services I should be offering and, and, and kind of, you know, helping me assess that piece of it. Absolutely. And uh, like maturity of the offering is definitely uh, yeah, a topic that comes up. I mean, to, to this point around, like all goals are not related to selling the business, right. Or buying another business. Sure. Right. Um, you know, I had an MSP who grew their business during the pandemic, right. They, you know, were mom and pop kind of, you know, at, at home business because everyone was remote and like their goal for the year was, you know, I, I want an office. I want to know that we can afford an, an office space to move all of our people because now that we're in a post-pandemic world, we're looking to get, you know, into a hybrid scenario, right? Is that something that we can afford? How do we budget for it? What does our cash flow situation look like? And how will it look after we 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 decide to uh to take on this this rent? So yeah. I mean it it could be it could be just about anything. Um uh, speaking of people who don't want to, who don't want to sell, right? I mean, we, we, we've done legacy planning with folks. Hey, what, I want my son to take over the business. What does that look like? Right? So at the end of the day, if you want to make pretty much any decision around the, the financial future of your business, um, understanding the numbers is at the core of it. So now I'm going to throw a couple of questions at you because I'm sure MSPs are, are sitting here kind of chewing on this. What would you say is the number one KPI MSP should be tracking? I, I guess, and I'll double that with, and is there one, is there maybe another one or is it the same one that you feel that they're not? <laughs> right. So it's funny. I, I kind of want to go with, with two that maybe some folks have sure. heard of, some folks haven't. And, and I want to go with two only because they are focused on different things, right? And different stages of uh, of your life cycle as a business owner. Um, so one came up recently during the, the symposium um, last week, which was the rule of 40. And it sort of ties in with the same concept of what we were talking about before, which is, you know, how much are you investing in your business, right? And really the general concept is like, you know, it, it's a combination of your profitability, right? And your growth rate. And so therefore, right, getting that the combined number to reach, let's say 40, right? Um, what that means is that you don't need to be as profitable if you're growing, right? 
and vice versa, right? If you're incredibly um, profitable, but you're slower growing, right? That could also be okay, right? You could be reaching that certain level of your business arc or your market per se, right? Where then you need to either look externally, right? Or look to sell. So on the M&A side, like I'd say that's that's a super interesting one for folks to be fo to, to be thinking about right now because it kind of encapsulates this idea of how well is my business being run? Is it being run efficiently? And at the same time, where are my growth, growth efforts being focused and how effective are they? Um, on the on the other side, for for the everyday MSP, sort of the 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 other metric that that kind of comes to mind, um, which often comes up, is uh, is turning point. So, effectively, can you run your business as you've built it today, if nobody called for TNM, if all the projects shut off, nobody wanted any more product from you, right? Just purely off the back of your recurring revenue streams. Could you survive? And the turning point is going to tell you the answer to that, right? Yeah, no, I mean, that, I think that's a crucial one um, in the story. And I mean, especially with the, I want to say uncertainty that we had, right? But we definitely never sat there in 2019 and said, uh, you know, I think next year we're all going to be trapped in our house for multiple months of the year. Um, you know, and the, the nice thing is, and we saw it was our industry, you know, you touched on earlier, you know, recession proof is a really strong statement, but I think it's extremely resilient and kind of like medical, right? No matter what happens, you're always going to need medical. Uh, I think you're always going to need IT too, um, you know, for those purposes, right? But if you're a hospital, <laughs> you definitely want to make sure that all, all your electronics and, and tech is working uh, and that your security is great. Um, you know, Vegas learned that the hard way a couple of weeks ago, uh, the MGM resorts. Um, which, which unfortunately apparently was just a phone call. Um, phone call when somebody impersonated somebody else. And uh, next thing you know, they had the entire network. So. Uh, so. Yeah. No, I, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I am still distracted by the Vegas thing just because, I, you know, we were in Channel Con not, not too long before that. And again, people were already starting to test the system. It, it was just, it had the vibe like something bad was about to happen in Vegas, right? <laughs> Yep. I mean, it, it, it was the perfect storm. You had, you know, Black Hat there right after us. Um, and then you have all these other big major events, whether it's like EDC, right, different uh, major festivals, things like that, bring people in. And that's all leading up to F1, the first time in Vegas, which was such a, such a major, major event for Vegas. Uh, the Sphere going live, right? It's just it's a big year. Uh, I think it's kind of perfect storm for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, was a real test as to uh, why backups and security are important. Um, when you talk about a place that you can truly measure your loss per minute, I mean, <laughs> no place will ever be better than Vegas to measure that. I mean, I'm sure Siegel's brain is going, God, I'd love to measure that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it look at kind of coming back to, you know, where we're at before, I mean, this, this mythical idea of a recession-proof industry, I mean, sure, sure it's not, not reality, right? At the end of the day, I think most successful MSPs know that that flexibility is going to be the key, right? And, and flexibility in terms of, you know, adaptability, right? How willing and ready are, are you to adapt your business based on what's happening? Um, and something that comes to mind, sort of that, that post-pandemic world, I mean, just as an example, right? Um, 
you know, unfortunately, I have spoken to some MSPs who survived off of the cash that they received, right? Um, and when that cash started to run out and their business was set up in a way where they were just assuming that that cash was going to be available, I mean, some really tough conversations had to happen. On the flip side, I've spoken to significantly more. I mean, I, I would call them mature. It doesn't, they're, they're not necessarily bigger MSPs. They just have a, a, a mature mindset where they were prepared to adapt, right? Where the money that they received, they, you know, they steadied their ship and then they they really focused that money on reinvesting in the business. Yeah. So in, 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 at the end of the day, over the, when, when the pandemic was truly over, they had, they had grown from that investment and they weren't depending on it anymore. Uh, Keith says the answer to his question, stop being a cost center and start being a business enabler. What, uh, sorry, which question? Uh, you know, Keith just said the answer to his question, stop being a cost center and start being a business enabler. I like what, it. Whose question? Yours. Um, I believe. Um, I, I, either way, I, I like the statement. I like the idea, the mentality there. I mean, you're watching that with the more, I would say, you know, you're watching that evolution of MSPs, right? You're seeing a lot that are diving into security services. And another big shift I've seen over the last, you know, I joined the MSP space about 10 years ago. Um, and within the last five to 10 years, probably one of the biggest shifts is that, you know, we're not, we're not a cost for you. We're actually helping you run your business. We are part of the business. You know, we are your quasi CTO sitting at the table. You know, we, we are part of the leadership meetings. We're part of the growth meetings. You're getting a new office. I know about that well before you submit a ticket for me to move all the computers across town, right? It's, I'm involved in that decision. I price it out, I scoped out the project. Um, being involved in the business at a much higher level. There uh, we go. It looks like, uh, hold on. You know what, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna allow Keith to talk if he'd like to say something. Looks like he's got a couple statements there. Hey, Keith. Hey, how you doing, man? Sorry, I didn't know you were hosting. Uh, I, was, I was afraid to come on and listen to George talk about this weekend's games. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> totally fair totally fair well uh you know he can be uh, abusive you both, you both <laughs> i can say that i'm not his employee um <laughs> so I, no i think the point is so many people in the in the msp business are simply reselling a, a service they're brokering you might you know, they're kmart blue light they they train our customer to look for what's the cheapest because we're all the same and if you own the business process, you own the business. And, and I've given you my examples of what we do. Mm -hmm. I mean, like for Boeing, we own the shop floor. For the ports of LA, we own the dispatch and the container tracking. Okay. Then you go, you, you're, it's not even like you can be, no one can even compete your bid. Yeah. Other people come in there and just say, oh, we're going to do antivirus and we're going to do this and that. And you go, that has nothing. That is so boring to a CFO. He's like, I don't care. Make me more profitable. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so Danny, uh, Keith's definitely been a forward-thinking MSP on that in that sense and um, run to Keith at many shows, uh, whether it be speaking engagements or just good you know, hallway conversations. But uh, great California-based MSP um, has definitely carved out more of that uh, I'm not just going to be the guy who fixes your keyboard. 
uh, fixes and or replaces your keyboard, I'm going to do a lot more than that. And it's really carved out a cool um, kind of mindset to have that seat at the table. And I think did it very early on before that became kind of the education talk track and all the conferences and, and kind of what everyone was encouraging people to do. Um, so definitely some great conversations with him over time on that. Keith, uh, I don't know how much you caught of Danny's story earlier, but Danny's um, you know, part of uh, Delmar Insights, our owner of Delmar Insights, and, and has really carved out a cool look at the data and the analytics and the financials um, with Siegel, who has a great background, um, you know, coming from that area, from the financial industry and looking at how can they help MSPs kind of take the next step, whether it's, is it more services, are they stagnating, are they looking to, to buy, are they looking to purchase? Uh, sell, um, what's the next stage of their business look like and, and helping them prepare, understand, and and really um, kind of take that, that leap forward. So anything else that you've seen in that area that you think MSPs are struggling in that maybe Danny could could help give you some advice on? Well, I think what he's, I, you know, I just heard the, the tail end because I was getting my eyes checked, but um, I think it's important for MSPs to start thinking like businesses um, you know, a lot of them walk around and talk about how technically astute they are. And again, that's a topic no one cares about. And especially your bank, you're going like, you may be the greatest tech in the world. I just want to see profits and I want to see cash flow, and I want to see um, management of your business. And that's where I think a lot of them are lacking is really how you manage your business and, you know, analyzing each client and seeing how profitable they are. And are you really, you know, I hear people say, oh, I make 100% margin. You go, just because you doubled the cost of your RMM, that does not equal 100% margin, right? There's a lot of other factors to take into that and including your, and do you pay yourself enough? And that's where I, I find a lot of MSPs are lacking. I go, if, if you're running an MSP and you're making under 150,000, you might as well go to work somewhere else. And I actually think that should be higher than that. Um, and, and you know, I've, I was surprised in one conversation, I was talking to a couple, Rob Ray and, and a couple, and they were talking about average MSP makes under 80,000 in take-home salary. And when he asked me what I thought, I thought, I, said, I think I thought they all made like 300,000, easy. Well, well, Keith, do remember that they don't all live in California. <laughs> it does, I don't think that's, you know, Cali tax. <laughs> I've heard that I, I, you know, there's an MSP that that's in another state that tells me you can't do this in my state. And I go, we have two clients paying those rates in your state. Um, so, yeah, that, so, I mean, to, to, to that point, yeah, I guess I, I, I would agree with that. Like there, there, there are many sort of defeatists out there that will say that like, oh, no, it's not possible here. It is 100% possible there, wherever there is, if you have the right value proposition. My only comment was that, you know, someone may only need $80,000 to live the way that they want to live if they live in, you know, oh, yeah. versus California, right? Um, they also you may have a very specific W-2, but uh, the rest of their life is more integrated into their business. Not for me. Oh, no, I, I get that. I mean, I, <laughs> Alex, <I rest>. <laughs> my cars, my boat, the second, that's all part of the business. Sure. That's not part of my salary. Like I told people, I don't own any of that. But, you know, um, <laughs> that, that's all part of the business. I get it. To be a good time to say that we do not, 
make tax advice at Delmar Insights. Sorry, we recommend it. <laughs> um, no, all kidding aside, right? I mean, people people definitely all have their own ways to running their business. We just want to help them make better decisions. Yeah, I think that's important. I think that's that's very important. Absolutely. No, I mean, I, I think that's probably one of the biggest discussions I see online. Um, and it's been a really cool thing with the last you know five years or so is that embracing of social media for the business level where I would say probably one of the biggest things I see is, hey, who's, use, who's using this service? Um, or does anyone have a good provider that provides this? Or, but the main one that I see the most of is how much are you charging per seat? Everyone's trying to figure that question out. Um, am I charging too much? Am I charging too little? Uh, and you get a lot of people come in like Keith that, you know, have had a practice for a long time and have learned the value of their time and, and understand that kind of breakdown and they've, you know, risen themselves to that, that level. You know, the people who are charging, you know, 70 bucks a person, you're like, how are, how are you even offering those services at that price? Um, and I always want to travel like Alec. That's my goal in life to be that first class traveler. So I know how you fly, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly how you fly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's funny just to see that out there. I think that's probably one of the biggest mysteries of our space is, is what is everyone else charging? And, you know, where am I, where do I fall in that? So I think seeing more and more financial maturity and, and financial and, you know, analysis coming to the industry, I think is great. Um, I think that's a huge thing that you guys can definitely demystify a little bit out there is, you know, help people understand and, and it, I think it is going to fluctuate to a degree. I think there's always going to be businesses that are going to understand the value um, of IT a little bit better. Maybe they got hit in the past. Um, you know, Bvoip came from an MSP. So I, I heard the horror stories, you know, the good stories and the horror stories. Um, you know, the doctor that didn't want to touch anything IT because he just didn't feel like anything was ever going to happen to him. And on the flip side, the uh, I think George had a, prison uh meal company so they provided food to most of the prisons in the east coast and uh they took it extremely seriously they wanted to invest in a full-time tech on site they you know had everything really well mapped out and, and invested and put in growth every year in the budget for it i mean you know there's definitely a tale of uh of two spectrums but there's also the question of and i'm sure danny you you and siegel i'm sure you've dove into this with plenty of clients Sometimes it's not worth having that client um, that, that doesn't take it seriously. It doesn't want to invest with you. And I know it feels good when you first start to get all of those clients, but sometimes it's better to say goodbye to them. And Keith, I'm sure you fired a couple of clients in, in your day. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I try not to fire them. I think I've only fired like one. I, I just pass on them. And, and I've talked to people. That's one of the problems with um, when you do a lot of speaking, you know, they talk about like at the chain. I actually think I've given away more clients from my public speaking than I've checked. The guy will walk up and say, oh, I really like what you're talking about. My current MSP charges me 150 and I have five users. And I say, you know what? I have someone that could really help you out and it's not me. And, and um, I'd rather not, you know, I I'd just rather not start the relationship. And then that's like, that's like kind of, trigger on you know it's like i'd rather not start the relationship I'd, i and i have a you know an ex-employee that started his own little msp and he loves those little you know twenty five hundred dollar a month clients and that works out good uh, I, I think to your point that that uh client profitability is something that comes up a, a lot um a matter of fact 
but for the most part, that's, that, I think that's the first question that typically, you know, perks people's ears when we start talking about the metrics and, and where we like to focus our attention with MSPs is around that individual profitability. Cause again, like your, your price per seat could be great. Right. But if you're paying too much for labor, then you may not be as profitable as you could be. Right. That's uh, one of the, the drawbacks. I, I argue that it doesn't scale down very well, that there's a minimum price per office. And I would say, and I know people will get offended when I say this, but I go, someone call me for one seat office. I'd go, you know, you're starting at five grand a month, which is ridiculous. You don't want it, but there's a minimum cost to me to just service a client and put them on our books and, and bill them and account manage them and, you know, uh, review their, their policies and procedures and their workflows. And it doesn't scale, scale down very well. Yeah. I mean, and look, and we, we talked, we've talked about maturity a little bit here today. I mean, to, to me, that's a mature way to think about your business, right? That said, you know, we, we talked to a number of, of MSPs who, you know, when they established their business, it was not necessarily as mature, right? And now that they're getting to a point where they're starting to figure out, you know, what's next? Like, how do I become more, more profitable? How do I get the most out of the labor that I have? Then they start looking back at some of these clients that they brought on, right? To get the, you know, to get things off the ground, so to speak. Um, and they may be in a situation where it's not about saying no, but they have to start thinking about, you know, pumpkin planning a little bit. Danny, one thing that um, I, I think I see a lot, uh, you know, coming back to that questions you see asked a lot, I go back to the financials. Um, you see a lot of the asks around those tools that I was touching on, but you see a lot of, you know, hey, what's everyone using for PSA? And then I don't have a lot of money to put towards it. Do you help with a lot of that tool planning of, you know, hey, we're going to help you grow to here. And then we really need to add in your PSA, like a proper PSA. And then we're going to help you kind of grow to here. And then we're really going to look at kind of bringing in, um, you know, more tools, right? Because I think that's an area that a lot of MSP struggle in. It's like everyone online is going to tell you, hey, you really need a stack that's going to cover all of these tools, but it's also going to cost you X a month to use these, you know, your, your documentation internally, your PSA, your RMM internally, right? All those different pieces. Um, is that something that you see yourself helping out with a lot? Is that a question you get quite a bit of? I, I mean, for the most part, we work with, with, with folks that are already using a PSA, right? Um, and that, that is oftentimes where we're, where we're starting uh, with some of the questions. But I mean, to your, to your point, right? If we found someone who, like, say, was running their entire business still, you know, in, in, in QuickBooks and, uh, you know, handwriting tickets, then... <laughs> you know, we're, we're happy to help with whatever business problems you may be facing. We laugh about it, but uh, I see it more often than I should. Um, I talked to somebody actually not long ago that had a pretty successful business. He was doing pretty well. Numbers were good. Um, but one of the questions we always ask on, on the B website is, you know, what PSA are you using? So we can discuss integration, some of the, some of the items there. And uh, he said, we're not. We, uh, we use Outlook, we use QuickBooks. And uh, I think he said Excel was where they were kind of writing down the service issues. So I, I, I get think, hard palpitations thinking about Excel, but but go ahead. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, you know, I think, you know, one of the things to just note here, um, you know, is that the sort of people that we're working with, the companies that we're working with are all different. You know, we can't look at 
all of these MSPs and go, you know, they're all the same and they all need the same needs and, you know, they're all in the same life cycle or stage. They're not. So, you know, it's very much one of those things where every client that comes on is unique and is different. And we've got to sit there, you know, and go, okay, you know, let's have a consultation. Let's see where you're at. Give us everything that you have. You know, if you're sitting there making Excel tickets, then, you know, we can have that conversation and go, you know, there's other ways to do it. Um, you know, but we need what what we do. You know, is sit there and assess where you're currently at, what your goal is in five years, ten years, twenty years from now. You know, and give you the information and the insights that that we have. You know, to help you get to what that is. So, if your goal is to earn minimum 150, you know, let us tell you how to do that. You know, because chances are you're probably got the right tools there to do it you're just not using them correctly you know so let's let's relook at things let's go back to the start let's go back to the drawing board let's see what we can do and I think that's the important thing to note here you know is that over time um you know you learn these things but a lot of the time if you're starting out and you know you are tech focused and that's all you've ever done and that's everything you know you know you can't expect someone to sit there and know that you know they possibly need to charge someone x amount because it needs to cover xyz you know those are things that you learn and those are things that someone needs to usually help you with and that's what we're there to do you know at the end of the day is to help you get the best you know and the most out of what it is that you're offering absolutely um, I actually just really awesome because I think most people I talk to, you, you, they say we're changing PSAs because mine doesn't do X or Y, and you go, yes, it does. I think our tools are underutilized, underdeployed, undermanaged, you know, and and you start digging. They're just not intuitive. A lot of them, right? You look at this, you look at the cover, and you go, that's not in there. You go, yeah, it is. It's just buried under this eighteen layers, and it takes someone with expertise. To know that it's there, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I know Danny could get into an entire diatribe about that. Um, and actually, I'm gonna quickly jump over to say, um, first of all, thank you, uh, all, all three of you who <laughs> ended up jumping in and, and, and joining the conversation today. Um, but I do want to just quickly, I know Danny, you had a hard stop at, at the top of the hour, so I do want to leave it with what's a great way for people to contact you? I'm sure a lot of people are sitting there with their heads spinning now and they would love to understand those financials a little bit better on their side. So Danny Siegel, how do people get a hold of you guys? How do they uh, maybe engage with Delmar if they want to learn a little more? Yeah, I, I would say you could reach either of us on LinkedIn, but I, I know Siegel is having some trouble with her account at the moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Story for another day. Uh, DelmarInsights.com is the easiest way to reach us. That's you know, DelmarInsights.com. If you go to the product page, not only can you see sort of the breadth of offering, but you can also uh, click for a demo and you'll get a live call with one of us. Awesome. Love it. Uh, thank you so much, Keith. Always a pleasure, my friend. Appreciate you jumping in and, uh, and adding to the conversation. Always fun to get you in here. And uh, Danny Siegel, always a pleasure as well. Fun hanging out with you too for the last hour. And uh, we're going to cut it right at the time. So thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, I think Ken Patterson is actually back here on Thursday. Uh, for another session and uh, go take a look at that announcement video for the band and I'll see everyone in Orlando in just a couple weeks. Thanks, All right. Everyone. Thank, Thank you everyone. You.